In this episode of Compliance into the Weeds, Matt Kelly and I take a deep dive into companies which failed to disclose cybersecurity breaches and the sanctions they received both from the State of New York Department of Financial Services and more importantly from the Securities and Exchange Commission. Compliance into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Hello, everyone. This is Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, back again with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, for another deep dive into compliance. Today, Matt and I, uh, first of all, Matt, reporting as always uh, from the square on Harvard Yard, uh, we're going to take an interesting dive into failures of cybersecurity disclosure. So, Matt, uh, first of all, welcome. And what was it that caught your eye about this topic? Yeah. Uh, hello, Tom. So this was an interesting case from the SEC uh, around June 15th. And what had intrigued me was just that this was a cybersecurity failure from a title insurance firm, First Financial Corporation or First American Financial Corporation. And some of you may that name may ring a bell because First American was dinged by the New York Department of Financial Services uh, in 2019, I think it was, uh, for a cybersecurity breach that it had. And we can talk about the breach. But basically, the breach happened. The IT security team at First American was trying to rectify it, not doing a terribly good job, by the way. We can also talk about that. Notified several of the senior leaders at First American, but then First American did not disclose this risk or this issue to investors. So yet again, we have the people who are in charge of corporate compliance. And in this particular case, it was more about the disclosure controls and procedures that you have, which are required under the Sarbanes-Oxley Act that you must disclose all relevant issues to investors. Um, First American did not do that. They did not disclose for multiple months that they had a severe cybersecurity breach on their hands until it was announced on a cybersecurity blog, uh, and then suddenly everything hit the fan. Uh, but because they had not disclosed this when they knew that they had it and were trying to rectify it and not doing a good job, the SEC has now swooped in at the end here, and they slapped another half-million-dollar fine on First American for its ineffective disclosure controls and procedures. Um, we have occasionally seen enforcement actions over disclosure controls, from time to time, it's unusual, but we really have not seen a sanction like this about poor disclosure of cybersecurity glitches. That is quite rare. I know we have seen at least one or two over the years, but if I have seen more than a handful of them in the last 10 years, I would be surprised. Um, but I do think that this A is emblematic of a increasing problem because more companies are going to have cybersecurity glitches and B, uh, the need to keep compliance functions looped in onto what is going on so that they can disclose these things to investors in a timely manner or else whatever your problem is that you're not disclosing, you're going to have that. And then the SEC is going to kick you in the rear end when it's all said and done on an investment protection issue, just like what we saw here with First American. You know, Matt. I guess uh, when I first read this case, uh, the when and actually it's the first DFS enforcement action. So that's another reason its name may sound familiar to our listeners. Yep. Uh, but this seemed to me to be an example where the legal department stepped in and and prevented disclosure, 
I mean, we've had that going all the way back to Target, and certainly Equifax hid uh, this from uh, the general public and invest their uh, breach uh, as well. And this seems like a law, law department's key function, which is circle the wagons and protect the corporation. And the rest of the um, obligations, regulations, and duties of a corporation be damned. Uh, and I would say that strategy did not work well for them here because they did wind up with an SEC enforcement action anyways, as did Target and Yahoo, or the successor to Yahoo. Uh, Equifax from 2017, I think, was a more egregious case because the SEC had stepped in there. Uh, there was clear evidence that senior executives were dumping shares ahead of disclosure of their breach. And that is something this SEC frowns on severely. Um, and it just speaks to, yet again, I would say, an example of how you can't do this. And just because the legal department's mission is to reduce legal liability for the company, and perhaps they would mistranslate that into, let's not tell anyone about anything because we don't want to get in trouble, you still get in trouble. So taking that as your primary strategy is not going to work. And this is yet again one of those times that it demonstrates sometimes the legal imperative and the compliance imperative, uh, they separate. And that clearly was the case here. Um, compliance should have been kept in the loop. They could have told senior executives uh, that we have to put this in uh, to the 10K. We have to get this uh, disclosed. And the senior executives knew about it. I I don't know. I'm not going to say they were deliberately sitting on this and hoping nobody would notice. People noticed and the SEC noticed. Uh, we just keeps coming back to the need for a more holistic, collaborative approach to solving your problems and breaking bad news to the investors, all of which should be rooted in good ethical values led from the CEO, which are when we have a problem, we're going to cough that up to investors and take our lumps, not try and keep it quiet and then whistle past the grave and hope nobody notices because they did notice. And this is just one of many instances where we've seen that um, come across. Now we're going to take a short break. Matt, I really like the way you sort of tied this or, or perhaps that's not the right word, expanded it this at near the end of your blog post to demonstrate why compliance needs to be a part of major business decisions, why they need a seat at the table, and frankly, why they need to be in the know about what's going on within the corporation uh, and that compliance officers have to be a part of important business issues. Would that be a fair assessment? Yeah, you know, let me back up a bit and talk a little bit more about the timing of what this security breach was at First American and who knew what, when, and then who finally disclosed what to whom. Uh, and then we can talk about how it is, I would say, similar to a very different SEC enforcement action against a pharmaceutical company for a very different problem. But trust me, folks, I can tie all this together. Uh, so what had happened at First American was that uh, it had maintained a large archive of title insurance documents, like hundreds of millions of files with all sorts of personally identifiable information on these pages. And uh, this application called Eagle Pro uh, went through an upgrade in 2014, which introduced a cybersecurity flaw that if you manually typed in a different URL than what you had called up, 
you could then see a different page of documents and you could also see all the personal information on that document. That's a fairly significant gap, uh, goof from First American. That's a big cybersecurity no-no. And this existed in 2014. Uh, the company did not discover it for four years. And at the end of 2018, they suddenly did realize, oh, geez, you know, we, we have this issue of cybersecurity lapse and we have to fix it. So they started fixing it in January 2019. And this is where the exact timing starts to get important. They knew about it in January 2019. They had classified it as a severe problem and they were supposed to fix it under their protocols within 45 days. Um, they then recorded this in their list of vulnerabilities. They had a register of that. They misrecorded it. It was not listed as a severe uh, vulnerability, which it was, and they said it was. They then had a fat finger error where they said it was a moderate vulnerability. So they didn't have to fix it in 45 days. They had to fix it in 90 days. Error number one. Uh, now, that is actually maybe not that important because they didn't fix it within 90 days either. Uh, fast forward from January to May of 2019, a cybersecurity blogger called Brian Krebs, who runs KrebsOnSecurity.com, which is well worth following if you are into cybersecurity issues. Uh, Brian Krebs discovers this vulnerability, shotguns it onto his blog and across the internet. So First American now panics and scrambles, and they immediately put out an 8K disclosure that we have this big vulnerability at the end of May. But they had known about it in January. The CEO knew about it, the CFO, the CISO, they all knew about it, and yet they had not disclosed this to investors in a timely manner. Um, clearly, if it was worth disclosing immediately in an 8K in May, it would have been worth that same disclosure in January when they first discovered it, or at the very least, you would have put it out in whatever interim 10Q would have happened between January and May. Should have done that didn't do it until they got caught with their pants down by a cybersecurity reporter. Um, so that really was the issue that the SEC had flagged them for. That was poor disclosure controls and procedures, and it was a half million dollar fine. Now, what is most relevant to me isn't that particularly that it was about cybersecurity. We're gonna have other firms that are going to experience cybersecurity breaches, and you too will need to think about, do we disclose this in an 8K right now, or do we try and hush it up? But actually, this is most reminiscent to me of Mylan Labs, which had back in what year, 2019, Mylan Labs ran into a similar problem with the Securities and Exchange Commission. And here's what happened with Mylan, is that Mylan makes EpiPens. And in 2014, they wound up in trouble with the Justice Department for overbilling their EpiPens uh, and under the False Claims Act and that was a violation because they were charging, overcharging Medicare and Medicaid for the EpiPens. And 2014, the Justice Department opens that investigation. By 2016, uh, the Justice Department had said, you're going to get fined and you're going to get fined a lot. And you are now on notice, Milan Labs, that this is going to be a big deal. And sure enough, they did get fined. Uh, I think it was $465 million. Um, but throughout all of those conversations that legal was having with the Justice Department over the fine, legal had not bothered to tell the finance team at Milan, we have a big deal that is coming down the pike. You need to start accruing for this because this could be hundreds of millions of dollars. It's going to be a material amount of money. And that conversation had never happened with Milan. 
um, and they had never disclosed any of this bubbling issue to investors until the settlement was announced in 2016. Guess what, investors? We have a major settlement. It's going to cost us nearly half a billion dollars. And we had known about it for two years. Haven't told anybody. Have a good day. That's the quarter. That's the sort of disclosure that Milan had. And the SEC rightly said, that's ridiculous. You were supposed to accrue for all of this in a timely manner, which they didn't. And that was an investor disclosure failure. Uh, and it was a $30 million fine that the SEC had imposed on Milan for essentially the same issue. You had a problem. You weren't telling investors. You weren't planning for the ultimate disclosure of this and the resolution of it. And that hurt investors. So we have this fragmentary approach to solving problems. Sometimes it's cybersecurity. Sometimes it's billing fraud. But if you don't take this collaborative approach guided by the C-suite and rooted in your core ethical values that you disclose everything, even when that sucks to do, even when it's going to cost you money, even when investors won't like it, if you don't have that attitude, the SEC will wind up eventually coming back to bite you in the rear end. And that's what happened here. Matt, I don't think I could have asked you to put that any better. So perhaps on that note, we can end this week's uh, podcast. All right, Tom. Thank you very much. This is Tom Fox again. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. I'm extraordinarily pleased to introduce the latest podcast addition to the Compliance Podcast Network, the ESG Report. The ESG has become one of the most ubiquitous phrases of 2021. I'm therefore starting a new podcast dedicated to that topic. In my first two episodes, it is a one-part premiere where I visit with Tricia Dascom from Silver, and we talk about the regulatory and investment framework around ESG and what that means for the compliance professional. So check out the ESG report on the Compliance Podcast Network. I hope you will join Matt and I again next week as we explore another compliance topic literally going into the weeds. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.